0: Well, this morning's Gospel is taken from Mark, chapter 6, and beginning at verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed." Where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him, that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honour. He could not do any miracles there, except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went went around, teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out, two by two, and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave, as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. This is the Gospel of Christ. Well, what a result last night. That was brilliant, wasn't it, eh? We can't not mention that. And when you see England, I mean, England used to be famous for having some real star players, and they played as individuals and not as a team. And somehow now they've been brought together as a team, and every, the, everyone there seems to know their role and play their part. And so there's something that we can learn from that as a church. And the object of football, as you know, is to score goals. And not only to score goals, but to score them at the right end. And sometimes sometimes you can't help but feel that the church hasn't quite learnt that one. And it scores goals at the wrong end of the pitch. And when I read today's reading, the first thing that came to me is, have we become too churchy? Have we really lost sight of what Jesus wants us to do? You know, we're supposed to be a team doing our best for him. But do we really know, do we truly know, like in our heart and our mind, what we're supposed to be doing? And if we just step back a little while and just think about who Jesus is, and I 'm doing this to try and get him into context to what was going on at Nazareth that day. We know that Jesus existed before time began. Yet somehow he came from that existence in heaven via being a fetus in a young woman, probably a teenager, to grow and become a man. And he grew to adulthood using the same process that we use for us to become adults. And if you think about it, if you really do think about it, it's kind of staggering stuff. Really, really mind-blowing. And yet, although when people saw him, they saw a little boy growing up or they saw a young man, he was also God. And as we can look back through the scriptures and read about Jesus, it's difficult for us to comprehend what was going on. So it must have been almost impossible for the people of Jesus' day, because when they looked at him, what did they see? they saw a man stood before them. And contrary to many church windows, Jesus didn't walk around with a halo or something hovering over his head. So we can begin to understand when those people, where, where those people in Nazareth were coming from and why the people in his hometown rejected him. But just before Jesus went to his hometown, he had been preaching and talking in a little town on the west coast of the Sea of Galilee, probably Capernaum. And he had been outside in the marketplace, as it were, one day when a local synagogue leader came to him and said, my daughter is seriously, very seriously ill could you come back home with me to heal him? And Jesus set off and the crowd walked along following. And there was a lady in the crowd who had had an issue with bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all her money on doctors. She was now destitute, had no money left to pay for medical care. And over those 12 years, she just simply got worse. And she just thought to herself, if I just touch his outer garment, just touch his cloak or whatever, I'll be healed. (coughs) What she had was obviously a medical condition, but at the time it would have also been a very shameful, unclean thing as well. So she went through the cloud and she didn't really want to know, she didn't want people to know what was wrong with her. And she just, we can imagine, jostling through, creeping up. And just touching Jesus' outer garment. And she was healed just like that. Jesus knew something had happened to him, he turned round to her and, and he told her that she had received healing because of her faith. Anyway, they went on towards the synagogue leader's home, and the man, Jairus, received a message that his daughter had died. And we can kind of imagine his heart sank. He probably thought that while his daughter was alive, there was hope that Jesus could save her, but now she was beyond that hope. But Jesus said something along the lines, you know, don't worry, we'll keep going. And... He sort of lost the crowd and just went back with Jairus and his disciples. And he spoke to the dead girl, told her to rise up, which is quite an amazing thing when you think about it. And she did, and she was completely healed. She was no longer dead, and she was restored to full health. And again, Jesus attributed that to Jairus' faith in him. So those disciples had seen a woman healed. They'd seen a little girl of 12 years old that had died come back to life. And then a day or two later, they arrive in Nazareth and on the Sabbath go to the synagogue. And the people in Nazareth would have heard some stories about Jesus. It would have filtered through the grapevine and they would have probably been excited that he had come to speak amongst them. And at first, they were. They were amazed, we're told, at what he said to them. They were amazed that he could do miracles. But then their scepticism stepped in. He's just the carpenter. He's just an ordinary workman like us. He's Mary's son. His brothers and sisters are here. Who does he think he is? He's got no degree in theology. He hasn't been to training school. Who on earth does he think he is? And they started to take offence against him. And probably referring him to as referring to him as mary 's son, when it was usually you referred to somebody as the son of the father, um, we get that time and time again in the bible don 't we The Old Testament you know along comes some prophet, the son of so and so, was a derogatory term as well, but what they didn 't realize was that this man, who they saw as a man, just as a carpenter and one of Mary's the widow's family was actually the son of God but they only saw Jesus in a superficial way they didn't really see him for who he was they didn't really appreciate who he was and that's a trap that we can fall into we can see Jesus in some sort of superficial way rather than the true Jesus that he is we can kind of try to mould him into a shape that we want him to be when really it's about him moulding us in to be the team and the people that he wants us to be going back to the beginning of Genesis to be God's image bearers wherever we go Remember that the crowd, the people in the synagogue rather, were amazed at Jesus when he began to speak. And now we're told that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. And because of their lack of faith, he chose not to perform any miracles there that day how different to what had happened a few days before at Capernaum. A dead 12-year-old brought back to life, a woman who had been ill for 12 years, lost all her money paying for medical care, restored not only to full health, but to religious cleanliness as well. Two people that had massive massive testimonies from that point onwards and yet his hometown just saw Jesus the carpenter the son of Mary and took offense at him and at this point it's worth asking yourselves how strong is our faith Is it strong enough to enable Jesus, through his spirit, to work through us? Or is it too weak that somehow we inhibit him working through us? So that was quite a sad scene really when you think about it that Jesus going back to the people that he grew up amongst and was basically not recognised for who he was and he was rejected. But people that had faith in him saw fantastic, miraculous things. Those that were sceptical didn't. So there's a message there for the church of today. But we go on to the next part. After leaving Nazareth, Jesus went on, we're told, from village to village. And he sent out his disciples. Now, disciples were were men who followed a rabbi. And basically, they were trained to be like the rabbi and to do what the rabbi did. So Jesus wanted his mission, his ministry, to carry on through these men. So he sent them out in pairs, basically to do what they'd seen him doing. So, like an apprenticeship. But he sent them out to represent him, to be his delegates. And he told them to proclaim repentance, in other words, you know, return back to God, turn from sin and return to God. Their creator to proclaim God's kingdom, to cast out demons, and heal the sick. In other words, they were to tell and show Christ's kingdom with power, just as Jesus had done at Capernaum. He hadn't just told the people what the kingdom of God was like. He demonstrated it with power. So as I said, Jesus passed on the task to his disciples of what he had been doing himself. And of course, our role is the same. Proclaim the kingdom, cast out demons, until the sick. Well, proclaim the kingdom's okay. Um, we can talk about what it would be like in heaven and think what, it, if we translated that back onto earth in our day, it would be like. But casting out demons, healing the sick, that can leave us, well, we can have a few reactions now. We can say, yeah, we should be doing that, but I don't know how to do it. We could be saying, well, or inventing some theology that that happened way back um, 30 AD, but it doesn't happen in 2021. And as often, lack of faith is replaced by a theology that justifies that lack of faith. But I think we've got to be challenged by the word and what the Bible says and what Jesus said to his disciples. Yes, we have to sort of see that in his context or the context of that day. But we also have to work out what it means for the context of our day. And so casting out demons and healing the sick could be a big challenge to many Christians today. When we come to Satan and demons, and remember the song we sang at the beginning of the service, there are two basic errors that Christians can make. One is that they deny the whole thing about Satan and his minions, that they disbelieve that he exists or they exist. And the other is virtually the opposite. They have such an obsession on him that everything that goes wrong is the devil at work and that sort of kind of loses all human responsibility so there's this kind of middle way Church of England is good at the middle way um, where we've got to sort of kind of get it right and it doesn't matter if you adopt the non-existent one or the obsessive one the demons themselves will be quite happy with you because they've got your eyes off of Jesus. But it's also a bit strange. Well, why did Jesus say, you know, go and proclaim the gospel and cast out the demons? We've got to think now that Satan and his uh, minions are basically there opposed to God's will. The last thing they want is God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. They don't want people putting faith in Christ. So they'll do everything to prevent that from happening. And if it does happen, then they'll do everything to weaken that person's faith. And I expect we've all had these little sort of whispers in our ears, you know, how call yourself a Christian, you just done that. But you can see that going back to the football, in order to score a goal in the opponent's goal, you've somehow got to get past them and get the ball into the goal. And this is what Jesus, well, he wasn't saying about scoring goals, but the sort of thing he was saying, that if you're going to tell people about my kingdom, then you've got to sweep evil aside. So, if you like, Jesus was calling his disciples to proclaim his kingdom in power and eradicate and sweep aside the effects of evil. In Jesus' worldview, it was a bit simpler than ones that we have nowadays. He saw, as Paul did, the world as the domain of Satan and he came to get people from Satan's domain of darkness into God's kingdom of light and every time you took one out of there and put it there the difference was two 50, 50, take one over 49, 51 difference of two and that aggravates him or her So Jesus saw that he was like rescuing people, bringing them to a place where it was more like God intended the world to be. Rescuing people from the dominion of darkness to the dominion of light, Christ's kingdom. So casting out demons was a sign that God's kingdom was breaking in. That it wasn't passive, it wasn't weak and it wasn't ineffective. It was not only breaking in, but growing. It was transforming people and through people the bigger world, their environment and so on. So Jesus authorised his followers to proclaim God's kingdom and drive out evil before them, giving people the opportunity to repent and believe in Christ their Saviour. And healing, again, was the same idea, a sign that God's kingdom was breaking in and growing. And healing is a big thing. It's not just, I mean we've heard today of two physical healings but it's emotional, all sorts of things, spiritual healing. Um, is making a person whole as God intended them to be. So that's what Jesus said and that's what the passage that we read today talks about. So where does that leave us? I think it leaves us with a couple of questions. The first one, is our mission what Jesus wants it to be? Are we really doing Jesus' mission or have we become too churchy? Is it about him or is it about us? And the second one is, is our faith in Jesus strong enough that we can go out and proclaim God's kingdom with power, His power? Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for loving us so much that you sent your Son. And we thank you for what your Son has taught us and shown us and the words that we have that he said and the words that we have that show what he did in our scriptures. And Lord, as we read about him and think about what is written, what we read. I pray that you transform our hearts, that you will fill us with his spirit, the Holy Spirit. Build up our faith, Lord. Give us great testimonies to proclaim to the world about you. And as we race through the Lord's prayer and our daily prayers and our services, help those words to sink in. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us when we've tried to do that our way and we've failed to listen to you. May we do it your way from this time on. And Lord, just pour out your spirit on all now, all who are here and all who are listening at home. Transform each person to be the person you would have us be. Transform our churches to be teams scoring goals for you. That your kingdom come, will come on earth just as it is in heaven. Amen.